CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought right to you now, by TD Ameritrade, where you gain today, access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Time to shine. Gold and silver on the move this year, but should you be betting on the safety trade? We're polishing off a precious metals play you won't want to miss. And we're gearing up for a short but busy week on the earnings front. Two widely held names on the calendar caught our traders' eyes and how they are setting themselves up for the reports. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action live from the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Bono and Eisen. Welcome, Bonowin. Let's get right to the names seeing the most options action this week. Among them, Coinbase, Netflix, Tesla, American Airlines, Vale, and Starbucks, the so-called meme stocks, all seeing big action this week as well. Some ETFs also on the move. China, corporate debt, real estate, silver, all catching our traders' eyes. So let's start off with one of those names, the IYR real estate ETF. Carter, your thoughts. Also, in many ways, one of the biggest things that went on this week, of course, is the move in rates. Rates lower in response to soft economic data. In any event, let's look at a comparative chart. This is utilities versus REITs, XLU, IYR, the two most rate-sensitive areas of the market. And to my eye, what we're looking at here is prospective convergence, right? One has really led and one has lagged, and I think we're going to get this. Now, another way to do this, instead of looking at two lines, is look at them each and then do relative. So this is XLU, and what do we know? XLU uh, has rallied and failed, failed. It hit its head here, and my thinking is we're going to continue lower. By contradistinction, check out IYR. It's the laggard, but what it has done, of course, is started to bottom and carve out what I think is the beginning of an important move higher. So put them together, instead of a comparative, this next chart is a relative line. It's just one divided by the other, which is what relative strength, or RSI, is. And what we have, and there's no way around this, is a beautiful double bottom. We have a move, of course, that we broke above trend, and now put in the green arrow. It makes us want to be long. REITs over utilities. Yep, and for all of you astute Fast Money viewers, you will remember that Carter recommended this as a pairs trade earlier in the week. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I mean, uh, just taking a look at the options flows we saw this week, I mean, I'm gonna start with the second name first, XLU. Uh, we definitely saw some bearish activity in there. We saw a purchase of actually of 5,000 of the January 27th weekly 71 puts. Those are the ones very close to at the money. Uh, those were trading for about 95 cents. That took place on Monday. As for IYR, and like we are seeing in a lot of rate-sensitive places, just bets on continued volatility, but not necessarily to the downside. The interesting trade there was a purchase of 2,000 of the February 83.94 strangles. The trader paid $1.37 for a couple thousand of those. Now, when you buy a strangle, you're making a bet that the thing's going to move around a lot, not necessarily specifying a direction. But I think we still have a lot of news to digest here on the rates and inflation front. You know, one decent or maybe better CPI print uh, doesn't signal the all clear as far as I'm concerned. All right. Let's get to commodities now. Precious metals on the move to kick off the year. Uh, Bono, and your thoughts on silver? 
Listen, I think silver uh, is giving you a beta exposure to gold. I think both of those are kind of, we, we spoke about it on the previous show about VIX and volatility. I think particularly as you start to see some outperformance of these higher beta names that have lagged, you probably want to barbell that against something that's giving you a much larger margin of safety. So I think whether you're going to play GLD, GDX, or SLV, I think all of those make sense as, as a portion to that play. Carter, I know you like silver. Uh, yes, well, so... The issue here, it's all about your time frame. Gold has come a long way, right? It's getting quite um, popular of late, having not been popular. Silver, too. Of the two, uh, I think one wants to play silver because, again, it is beta. But also it is lag gold over the last two weeks. And in that sense, I think the opportunity is in silver, SLV versus GLD. All right, let's turn to some single stocks seeing action in the options market. Airbnb surging more than 13% this week. Uh, Mike, what would you make of this? Yeah, I mean, uh, Airbnb, it's interesting. This is a name where, you know, we have not an insignificant uh, short interest. It's the first thing I would say. Uh, We see a lot of puts trading in this thing. This is actually not uh, today or just this week. This is a fairly consistent reality for Airbnb. That was true again this week. Puts out pacing calls by greater than two to one. Uh, Some of those are short dated, but actually the trade that stuck out to me was a purchase of 700 of the April 80 puts for $4.75. And that's not so much because this is an enormous trade in contract terms, but think about what somebody's doing here, spending nearly 5% of the current stock price on a put trade that's 20% out of the money, giving themselves a decent amount of time, though, of course, to that April expiration. Carter? Um, you know what? I've just drawn a blank. Uh, Airbnb. I, yes, thank you. Sorry. I was staring at the chart and then wondering. So let's look at it. Uh, Here we go. This is particularly precise. It's annoying to the fundamental crowd that a stock could hit the trend line over and over. It's not P. It's not price to sales. It is what it is. And what do we know? The stock is threatening with breaking to new lows. It is rallied. We've been short. I think ultimately it's going to get resolved to the downside. Sell. You know, Carter, you said you drew a blank, but in, in actuality, it, it didn't, doesn't matter what it says on the top of that well, did, chart. It, it, it doesn't. You would That's, have looked at the lines. You would have drawn the same it's, circles. It's it would have true. been the same thanks, outcome. Thanks for the assist. You're very right. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, let's round it out with a retail name now. Ralph Lauren ticking higher this week, adding to a recent run. Bono, what would you make of this? I think the price action is pretty interesting here. Um, If I was going to play it from the long side, which I would not, I think by now you know how I feel about uh, consumer discretionary. I think one thing going forward is that it does appeal to a higher-end consumer. But with that said, you saw it from the banks today with the provisioning. This really isn't an area that I'd want to play. And if so, it would be with some out-of-the-money calls where I'm spending a very small percentage of the underlying. Carter. Here we go. Same way to draw the lines because it really doesn't matter to your point, Melissa, but to the point of charts. How can it be that Ralph Lauren gets to that line and stops every darn time because so much of it is about technicals? My thinking here is that it's just stuck and it's neither going to particularly advance with strength nor deteriorate. If I had to be directional, I'm thinking short. Mm. Mike, what do you think? Well, they're going to be announcing earnings on February 9th. And of the single stock names that we saw this week, this one arguably had the most interesting activity because we saw a purchase of 15,000 of the February 90 puts, which is going to capture that earnings. By the way, Airbnb is announcing, I believe, the same day. Uh, But that's a significant institutional bet to the downside on that catalyst. And this just isn't a space, any consumer discretionary thing, not really a place I want to be long here. All right. Still to come, a big week of earnings on deck, and we're picking out two names to watch. That's a hint for one of them. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. Much more OA right after this. 
Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. A huge slate of earnings next week. More banks and airlines and a whole lot more on deck to deliver results. And our traders are diving into two names ahead of the action. Let's kick it off with Netflix. Mike, take it away. Yeah, so Netflix, this is an interesting case, of course, because uh, this thing has really moved over the course of the of the last four earnings, more than 20% on average, more than 25%. Actually, and it's had a huge move off the bottom. Now, actually, when we look at this thing about six months ago, it was actually almost getting to be a value stock. I don't think that's really the case anymore here at trading around 29, maybe 30 times forward earnings. But I could see why somebody might be inclined to continue to press your longs here, given the way the stock's you know seemingly behaving right now. Quick thing about uh, the way to play it, though, my thinking right now, the options market's implying about an 11% move, and the near-dated options premium in particular are quite elevated. So I think the way to play this is actually using a diagonal call spread. I was looking at the March 350, January 370 diagonal call spread, buying those March 350s, spending a little over 20 bucks for that, and then selling the 370s for about five. The idea here, spending about uh, 15 bucks in premium or thereabouts. Notice that the call I'm selling is basically very close to or just above that 11% upside move. Carter, how did so, the charts look? Yeah, this is a circumstance of two things in conflict. It's a great winner, but it's back to a difficult level, right? In fact, back to the scene of the crime. It was April 20, a year ago, when it plunged uh, almost 40% on its earnings. And so, uh, my hunch is to actually be long, but to be smaller long than one has been. Um, Bono, what, what's your take on Netflix here? Well, I think from a valuation standpoint, it's come off quite a bit. If you just kind of look at it over the last five years, it's been cut in half, if not more. Now, in terms of playing this and, and Mike's trade in particular, I think on first glance, you kind of look at the risk reward and you're like, uh, I don't really know if that's really the setup that I want. But keeping in mind and knowing the way that the professor moves, he's at looking at a diagonal. So he's got that March call and knowing him, he's likely going to be rolling something else against that taking in more premium and lowering his cost basis uh, while maintaining optionality. So from that standpoint, I think it's a, a very interesting trade. Mike, is that what you did Bono and guess right in terms of what the professor would do? Yeah, I mean, there's two things. That's exactly right. So the near dated options are actually going to expire at the end of next week. That's going to offset a lot of the decay. So you're going to have an opportunity to sell weeklies against it. The other thing is that the capital commitment here is relatively low. Certainly it's low relative to actually going out and purchasing the stock. And the final point I would make is that those marches, actually March, April, even out to June, the implied volatility, that's the price of options for those options is considerably lower than just these really near dated weeklies that are basically looking only at earnings. All right, let's move on to another big name delivering results next week. Procter & Gamble also reporting Thursday. Um, Mike, uh, how are you thinking about this name? 
Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. You know, when you're in, uh, let's call it a bear market kind of condition, people like to rush to things like staples, packaged goods, stuff like that, that seems like it's fairly safe. I want to make a couple points about Procter & Gamble. First of all, the company is not cheap. Uh, it's not cheap to its peers. It's probably a turnover of the peer group, and it's certainly not cheap relative to the S&P, trading about 25 times forward earnings. Take a look at the revenue picture. If all you ever did was just take a look at the revenue line, you might say, ah, well, it's not really growing. It's kind of stagnant. It's going sideways. Actually, it's a little bit worse than that. Why? Because we've had an inflationary environment. We've seen higher prices. So prices are going up. Volumes are going down. When do you want to buy a business that's selling less and less of what they make year after year? Now, this is not a stock that typically moves a whole lot on earnings. Uh, in fact, it's, it's less than 3%, which is what it's currently implying. Still, this is not a stock that I'd be reaching out to buy here. If anything, I'd actually favor going to the short side. And that's one of the reasons I was taking a look at a put spread and a very close put spread to the near $150 stock price that the stock is currently trading at. I was looking at the March 150, 140. That was with the stock very close to 150 at the time. You're going to spend about $3. So 2% of the current stock price, less than the implied move going all the way out to March uh, to make sort of a near side short bet on Procter & Gamble. Carter? You know, a strong stock that stalled. You might have some charts here to depict that. Uh, a strong move off its October low, along with most stocks in the market. But uh, we've broken trend. Uh, we have something of a triple top. You can see that there. And if you put in a trend line, you'll see that we have a uh, broken trend. My thinking is to play it on the short side. Bonowin. I really like this trade. So whether you look at the implied earnings move or you look at the beta of about 0.4, you're probably not going to get some crazy move here. And so I like that tight uh, put spread there, which will likely capture the bulk of that move. Yeah. Mike, last word here. Yeah, I mean, that's the important thing to, to think about is that when you're looking at companies like this one that doesn't move a whole lot, it's often tempting to try to get some leverage, buy those really cheap options, the ones that are way out of the money, and you're looking for the five to 10 bagger. But a name like Procter, you're likely not going to get that. If it's going to weaken, it's probably going to do so modestly. It's probably going to do so slowly, even with a catalyst such as earnings coming up. All right. Up next, one area of tech having quite the run. But could the surge be getting overheated? And how should you play the move? Options Actions back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Semi-stocks have outperformed the market over the last few months, but our next guest thinks the chip rip may be a little long in the tooth, so he's laying out a way to play the group with options. Kelly Intelligence CEO Kevin Kelly joins us now to lay out a trade. Hey, Kevin, what's the trade? Hi, Melissa. Happy Friday. Well, the trade is actually uh, hedging your portfolio against the semis. And, and one of the reasons why is if we look at the semiconductor industry, it's really cyclical. So it has a uh, pretty big exposure to a recession or even corporate spending. And one of the great aspects of semis has been its exposure to the cloud and data center. And so that could actually become a headwind as opposed to a tailwind, because we're actually anticipating that there's going to be flat to down cap X in the cloud and data center space, which which really helped them out uh, over the previous several years. Another thing about the semis is there's 
heightened geopolitical risk right now around the names. And we've seen the China lockdowns actually impact a lot of the supply chain when it's come to semiconductors. But you also have the U.S. government, which has restricted exports to China mainland. So it's a hotbed issue there. And another interesting thing that happened this year is that the tone out of the Consumer Electronics Show was actually slightly more negative. Normally, it's pretty bullish on the year. And so that's pretty interesting against the backdrop about how semiconductors and the SMH has been up 10% this year. If you just look at NVIDIA, it's up over 15%, and it's still trading at a heightened PE of over 50 times forward earnings. So we think one of the best ways to really protect your portfolio, given the vast amount of runs and how the semis may be long in the tooth, is actually purchasing a put spread all the way out to May. So what you're going to do is let a lot of those uh, catalysts that I talked about play out through May because you'll get two earnings seasons uh, that'll actually impact as well um, on the guidance going forward should there be heightened concerns around the space. So what you want to do is actually go out and buy the 225 put here, sell the 195 against it. It costs roughly $9.55 and you can make two times the amount of your money on that. So I like the risk reward aspect here. And given the fact that it's run so much and it's it's really cyclical, this is a great way to hedge the overall market uh, for the next several months. And the most you can lose is that 955. So you're really capped, uh, capping your uh, losses in a volatile space. All right, Kevin, thanks. Kevin Kelly, Kelly Thank Intelligence. Um, Mike, what's your take on the trade and the notion that this is also a hedge for the markets overall? Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with that. You know, we're pretty underweight the space right now. Um, we do own Taiwan Semi, but uh, that's the only chip name we actually have at the at the moment. The interesting thing about the trade that he was just suggesting is that when you trade a vertical spread, like a put spread, um, you're basically paying at the money implied volatility, and then you're selling out of the money implied volatility. And what's going to impact whether that's attractive or not? Is, is how much skew there is. So when there's more what we call put skew, that means the out-of-the-money puts have a better bid relative to the at-the-monies uh, that you're purchasing. And interestingly, week over week, it did steepen. So it is actually a more attractive uh, hedging trade to put on today uh, than it would have been even a week ago because of, of that dynamic. And it has had a bit of a, a move here. Uh, I do also think, though, that you know this was a pretty beaten up space, and it has a lot of beta. So if you get some surprisingly good news coming out of uh, earnings, for example, in one of these, you might actually still get a pop. Carter, what do you think of the charts? Yeah, it is a pretty beaten up space. But the one thing is it's not a cohesive group. And while there is the SMH ETF or the SOX index on which that's based, uh, there's such divergent paths. Intel, MU, no good. But the biggest one, the one actually, Mike, you mentioned, TSM at 11% of the entire SMH. It's fantastic. It has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal. Mm. Bonwin, yeah, I'm glad that's your... one I own. <laughs> Bonwin, what do you think? Uh, so from a technical standpoint, uh, SMH has kind of run back up to that level where it failed previously before this big move higher. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some resistance there. I mean, you can check with Carter and get his insights there. Uh, I would echo the sentiments of the other two panelists in terms of uh, TSM. Uh, and just the fact that we have seen some of this higher beta stuff really catch a bid lately. With that said, I 100% agree in terms of like the cyclical nature of the of the of the space and using it as a hedge for your portfolio. I would likely just slide this in in terms of maturity a bit. 
Yeah. Um, Mike just asked a fundamental question on TSM since that's the, the popular semi-stock of this segment. <laughs> um, how, do you, how do you view the impact of China and the rally that we've seen in China in terms of lifting TSM and what happens when that rally overall reverses? Does that feel the impact? I mean, is it correlated? It, well, there's definitely some correlation. You know, I mean, all of the Chinese stocks, and that, that's a slightly different situation than Taiwan yeah. Semi. So whether we're just looking at K-Web, if we're taking a look at right. the big names, these things were so beaten up, basically, on bad China news. Uh, they had nowhere to go but up. I mean, they were so cheap relative to their peers in almost any other geographic region. And I think that's one of the dynamics that's playing out here. Because, of course, in many cases, they're going to be competing for some of the same sorts of business, but they're just trading cheap relative to their peers elsewhere because of that headwind. Uh, and having that uh, you know, relieved, essentially, gives it more upside. I think that's one of the reasons why we like this one and little else. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, can you give me suggestions on March 17 spy puts? I have 370 puts. Should I sell or hold? Carter? Well, as a hedge, and you'll be able to go through earnings here, while it would take a 7% decline to make those in the money, I would hold them. We don't know what's coming, but there's every possibility that earnings will be poor. All right. Our next fan asks, with China opening, looking at the charts and listening to the CEO's outlooks, what do you think about a bullish risk reversal for Nike? Um, Mike, I'll go to you for that. Okay. So first things first, uh, I, you know, I like buying longer dated options. I like selling shorter dated options. So I think the only thing I would say to adjust this trade might be to actually shorten up the expiration on the put side. So work your way into a diagonal. Uh, I don't like the idea of being short options on any stock, frankly, for a whole year. All right. Our last fan asks, what do you think about floor and decor, FND, Bonoin? So on a valuation basis, this has looked a lot cheaper than it has been recently. With that said, at 29 times forward, it's still not cheap to the market. And I'm not particularly thrilled about the exposure to builders, particularly in the commercial space. So if I was going to play this space, given where the valuations are, I'd probably just play directly in the builders. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pit, Carter Braxton Worth. No, there's nothing wrong with taking a profit from now. And I would do it. GLD, reduce. Bono and Eisen. I like Mike's uh, PG put spread. And Bonham, by the way, thanks for joining us here on Options Action. My pleasure. Great to have you. Um, Mike Coe, Professor, what do you say? Yeah, Procter & Gamble also going into earnings. I think cheap put spreads are the way to play to the downside. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back here next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Remember, Monday's a holiday. Enjoy the long weekend. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.